Because there's just nothing better than this. The TrojanSports.com podcast kicks off. Right now? Right now. No, no, I don't know. You said. Cock-a-doodle-doo, Bob. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. This, this is the TrojanSports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message boards. We start Monday. Yeah. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. now, now. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Trojansports.com podcast. And I'm excited. I'm joined by the incomparable Sean Cody. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Adam. Thank you for having me. Incomparable. Why are you looking at me like that? Incomparable is great. I like that. Yeah. Good start for for the interview. No, you're you're a legend. You're a USC legend, and I take it for granted because we took anthropology classes together, <laughs> and that was know. a great class. Was I, had, it? I enjoyed that class. Yeah. I don't know if I I went as much as I should have, but it was a good class when I was. I remember there. you being there and not being there. <laughs> I, I kind of remember. I remember I hit, I hit you up like, "Hey, Sean, you probably want to come on Friday. We're gonna have a test." But uh. We got through it somehow, some way. So uh, you had other things to do while you were at USC. As we all know, um, Sean had a decorated career as a Trojan and then um, had a nice little run in the NFL. You're wearing a Houston Texans t-shirt. <laughs> Is that the team that you identify with more? Uh, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, we were, uh, we were a little more accomplished than the Detroit Lions, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, those first four years in Detroit were tough, and and uh, I don't I don't think I have any Detroit Lions shirt that I that I wear really? around. I don't uh, uh, really associate myself too much with that. But we we had a good time in Houston, and and uh, I'm out of workout shirts. And this I could tell you could, this is get this is getting pretty old. So well, people might have forgotten or not realized, but you did play a key role as that program that that franchise was um, coming into a you know a, a contender. You were mentoring J.J. Watt. Yes, I take all credit for that. <laughs> all uh, credit. Yes, yeah. J.J. JJ would tell you the same thing, that I was the uh, spark that started his career. Uh, no, J.J. was, he came in with a work ethic and a talent that, uh, you know, that I hadn't seen too much of that. You don't see too many players like that who really want to work hard and, and uh, at that age who, who understand what it's about. And J.J. was like that. And so it was it was a good time. We had a group of, good group of guys in Houston and and a good head coach and Gary Kubiak and Wade Phillips was there and, and – uh, kind of got that thing rolling for a while and we were, we were pretty good we just couldn't beat uh the patriots uh that you know that they really knocked us out of the playoffs so that was that was kind of uh the end of the texans there yeah anyway. no one can beat the patriots jesus come on yeah I and mean, we're <laughs> they're still winning so anyway okay we're gonna talk a little bit uh usc past and present um i actually asked our readers to give us their questions for you. So we're going to run through those first. And then I got some myself that we'll do afterward. So these are, um, they're, they're going to be fun. Your questions so, aren't going to be as good as the readers are, questions, obviously, because eh, the readers are geniuses. Yeah. Well, they, they love you. No. You know, I, I, you're just, you know, you're shy. I'm a lovable me. character. I, I, you're shy <laughs> with the AU. 
Yeah, AU. Not the Irish way, sorry. Yeah, okay. So uh, first question comes from B22 writer. He asks, which current USC D-lineman do you think has the highest ceiling? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, current USC defensive lineman the highest ceiling. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Marlin up front. Uh, I heard he had a great spring. I mean, obviously, a, a great spring doesn't always uh, account for a lot, but uh, it's it's something to be said when a young player like that can come in. And, and uh, I've talked to Kenetsu Deze, the coach, about him, and he loves his motor, his work ethic, his you know just kind of gets out there, and makes plays. So it's uh, it's a good start for him. Um, you know, it's it's a group that I think that you know can make some noise. I, I love their coach. Obviously, I think he's you know did a great job with the guys last year and. Hopefully they can uh, keep that going, and I think that really sparked the defense last year. Okay. Um, so Marlon is your answer? Marlon, my answer. Sorry, okay. I, I danced around <laughs> that, I guess. I'm, I'm on, good Sean. at that. I don't like the – Okay. <laughs> um, from USC Ether, what was your favorite game to have played in at USC? Oh, my favorite game. Well, the National Championship was fun. You know, that was you – know, everything that encompassed that. Um, beating Aaron Rodgers – at the Coliseum and then on the last drive, that was a, I remember that was a memorable game, uh, but I think I remember the losses more the losses the, the wins were, Only were a couple. great. Yeah. The losses were, I think more tragic losing to Cal up there. I remember that was a tragic loss, uh, losing to Kansas state a couple of times. That was, that was hard. So, uh, the Washington state loss, I remember all the uh, losses more than actually probably the wins. Those were, those ones that stung the most. Do you, I, I've been mean to ask you about this because I remember, when you guys went undefeated in 04, you had these comeback games, maybe games that you didn't expect to be tight, like Stanford. Mm-hmm. There was Bob Tech in the opener. Even UCLA at the end of the year, it yeah. wasn't a comeback, but it was a tight game. Do any of those games stand out for just kind of being weird? Yeah, the Stanford game was really strange. You know, they got up on us and the halftime hit the the running back hit that big long run and right. kind of ran through the middle of our defense and just kind Were of Were you in on that play? Yeah, I remember watching him <laughs> run away. I think his name was Lemon because I remember seeing his name run away from me. Um and I just remember you know like five missed tackles and coach Joe going going crazy and coach Carroll going crazy at halftime and and uh so I remember that game and then you know the comeback from that and and uh those were good, but I th- more than anything, we were like a second half team. I thought yeah. we were always that was Pete's big message was always, uh, you know, we can't win the game in the first half, and, and and I thought we really, you know, always carried that motto with us, and, and we were pretty good in the second half. Games. Oregon State was another one mm-hmm. in the fog, the fog bowl, kind of weird. Yeah, some pretty memorable games that year. Yeah, you know, if you think about it, that, yeah, that, some that was a. I mean, you think oh they were so dominant and so you know just killing everybody, but I mean we had some tight games there that could have came could have went either way. You guys were more dominant in 0-3. Yeah, like I've told you, I think that team was better. Probably, you're right. Yeah, I know I, there's I mean, a loss, but you, I think your margin of victory was greater, and I just felt like you guys were more dominant. Oh four, like I mentioned, a lot of these weird games between that Stanford one and the Oregon State one. Do you remember ever thinking like? We, we might lose this game. I mean, was there no. any kind of dread? No. No. That's what I think we're – that's why I think Coach Carroll is such a good coach, and I think he really inspires his players. I think even if you watch the Seahawks now, they don't ever think they're going to lose the yeah. game. No matter what happens, no. they think they're going to win. I think that's his uh, – it's always a, a credit to his coaching is like you don't really believe that you can lose, and it's it's like a – it's like a disease on your team that, you know, we're, it doesn't matter what's happening here. We're going to win this game. So, and that's, and that's, you know, I've been to some teams where the opposite's true. Like the lions, you know, it didn't matter what was going to happen. We're probably going to lose this game. You know, <laughs> we're going to find a way to 
screw this Hanging up. You so, gig. Yeah, we're gonna find a way to screw this up. We're up by a couple of touchdowns. Let's don't believe it. So right. you could definitely have to, you know, you know, buy into that message. And I think he does a good job of that. All right, one more question from USC Ether. He asks, "Who was the toughest USC O lineman you oh, faced in practice?" Man, you know it's funny because I always I, I run into. Uh, Eric Torres a lot. We're good buddies. I don't know if you remember that name, but Eric Torres was a giant human being and he used to mm. give me a fit in practice, man. And, and Eric would have been a, a great, you know, NFL lineman if it wasn't for his, you know, bad ankle. He was a, he was a stud inside and then he moved, you know, he was a tackle and inside he could play long arms and mm. big giant Mexican. He used to give me fits, man. And, uh, I always thought, man, Eric would have been a great NFL player if he hadn't, you know, hurt his ankle. And I tell him that all the time. He's always, Oh, oh, oh Sean, you know, mm-hmm. but Eric's a great guy still. And, and, uh, he's still, still big and I still don't want to pass because he probably blocked me. All right. Next one comes from Trojan Fan 68. He says, What's up, Sean Cody? Tell us one good story about Pete Carroll and Ed Orgeron. Fight on. One good story about Pete Carroll and Ed Orgeron. Yeah. Is there something that we incorporate both of them? I'm trying to think of a story. Um, of, I'm sure there's stories of me getting in trouble that I, I probably shouldn't tell the, the readers. But, no, well, uh, come on. <laughs> this That's is the, the time. only reason why we have you on. This is the only time. Uh, with them together, I remember, well, I, I probably recruiting stories when they're together, you know, from, you know, my dad, you know, when when we when USC didn't have a coach and yeah. Ed was still kind of recruiting me for USC and my right. dad saying well coach maybe you shouldn't be here like kicking him out, <laughs> kicking him out of the game <laughs> and uh, so Ed remembers that one um, and then Pete coming you know to the house for the first time and him and Ed coming to the house and you know sharing their vision of you know what they thought USC can be and what kind of ultimately sold me on on going to USC is you know his vision uh, for me and my career and what he thought he could turn USC's defense into and and uh, what kind of team we were going to be and so those kind of memories uh, together I mean they were uh, I always remember you know coach O was kind of like uh, Pete's like right hand like this disciplinarian like his fist you know <laughs> he would use like Pete could be like the happy-go-lucky guy and right. bounce around cool guy. And, and everyone loved Pete and then and and Ed was kind of his enforcer and you know everyone kind of oh shoot Ed's around it's coach of the tide so that was kind of their dynamic there on the team that, that, that I don't know, worked well for them yeah in fact I mean right before we were recording you were telling me I was coming from a player in practice Thursday morning and you were saying that Orgeron would kind of watch over you guys and complain about the intensity of those player and practices even. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Coach O is known for, you know, trying to get to the rule and trying to maybe hedge at the rule a little bit. You know, <laughs> yeah. the coaches, coaches couldn't be out there on the field, but, you know, he yeah. was making sure that, you know, uh, he was going to watch what we were doing because he thought, you know, he. I mean, when you have a group like uh, Omar Nazel and Sean Cody and uh, yeah. a bunch of screwballs that are kind of goofy dudes like – that we're going to take advantage if no one's watching us. And he knew that. So he would uh, definitely make sure he had an eyeball on us and what we were doing or else we'd be doing who knows what fooling around. So, <laughs> so there were these uh, four letter words that were coming from an undisclosed oh, yeah. location. Yeah. And they sounded even worse because he was in that shed and they were like vibrating and it sounded like the, the voice of God was talking to you and you were <laughs> pass rushing and you're like, and you wouldn't know he was there. You, and you would just be doing your work and you'd be like, all yeah. right, doing your work. And you'd be like, and then you just hear, bring a rip. And you'd be like, what the heck was that? He's watching us, and then you tighten up, and everybody look at each other like, "What's going on? He's here." 
So I, it was it was <laughs> it was quite funny. I imagine there were times you probably didn't even understand what he was saying. Yeah, you you, well, it almost it almost took it? you had to get like a acclimate. It's like anybody with like an accent or something, you kind of acclimate to yeah. how they speak. And like it's like my like my I liken it to my my two year old daughter. Like no one else knows what she's saying except for me because I'm, I'm around her all the time. It's <laughs> right. like my dad would be like, I don't know what he said, and I'll be like, Well, this is what he's trying to say to. Yeah. So he's he was you had to get acclimated to the uh, the Cajun rasp. All right. Um. Another question from Trojan Fan 68. He says, can you compare practicing against three Heisman Trophy winners, Palmer, Liner, and Reggie? Um, compare each of them? Well, I guess in practice, if you can just, what, what you know, like, were they at another level? I mean, they won these awards, but was it evident that they were, you know, the best player in the country in practice. It was hard at practice because we had so many players. You yeah. know, you just, I mean, practice was like a game and we were competing at a high level. Uh, coaches didn't pull any punches. It was, you know, we were there to work. And so you weren't, uh, I remember, I mean, Reggie was special, you know, just what he could do and, and how difficult it was to kind of get a, a hold of him and, and, and stop him because he would bounce around and seem like the play. You were, you know, when the kid, when he started, it was like, who's this kid? Tell him to slow down. And, and uh, he's moving around. So it's like, how, how do we stop this guy? So he was special. And then, you know, Liner had a leadership quality that was that was uh, really, really special that kind of, you know, took over the team. And and uh, Carson was just, a, you know, just a big statue of a guy. And he was like, you know, he was the leader and. And, uh, you know, being a young guy, I, I was, you know, two years younger than them and, and just remembering, you know, the prowess he carried himself with. And, and uh, so it was those guys, obviously, they were special out there, but there's just so many guys that were, you know, so good that, you know, yeah. you couldn't, you know, you have a Troy Palomalo out there behind you running around and you did a Lofa Tatupu and, you know, guys that were really good at football that you, you couldn't really focus on one guy so, so much. It was just a, you know, just a bunch of talent out there. All right. Next one comes from Jerry Bed. He asks, from what we've heard, Sean, you were all set to sign with Notre Dame when Pete Carroll got involved. What caused your change of heart? I was never like going to, I I didn't have in my mind who I was going to, it really didn't come down to the final wire for me. I think, you know, my parents were leaning towards Notre Dame. They, you know, kind of thought it would be a good idea for me to go that direction. They liked the coaching and stuff and, and uh, they took a trip out there with me. And so they kind of fell in love with the place. And, uh, but for myself, it was never really, I never really, committed to a school in my head I was just kind of waiting to see the process play out take my visits see what kind of felt right to me like I said when I met with with uh coach uh Carol and and Ed at the at my house and they you know shared their vision of what it could be they came together they came together okay. um I, they might have been more the staff I think uh Kennedy Polo was there maybe some other guys too I'm, t- I'm trying to remember who was there but um and I'm guessing this is probably like right before signing day this is close. I mean, you know, they all make their push kind of towards yeah. the end. And so this is close to the end, I would imagine. And them all, it's kind of funny because, you know, we live in a, my parents still live in the same house in Hacienda Heights and it's not a, it's a very small place. So it's like a stuff. <laughs> I remember being stuffed with people in there like right. all the time. Big like, guys sit too. There. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, but it, it came down to the end and it, you know, it just came down to a feel for me and what, you know, the vision of, you know, coach Carol and, and, and coach O and what they saw for me and how I, you know, fit into their vision, I guess. If you didn't go to USC, would you have gone to Notre Dame? Uh, yeah, probably. I would have went to Notre Dame if, if, and then it would have been cold, and no <laughs> sun, and losing. You and might then, still be there. <laughs> yeah, I might still be there. Uh, With no hair. Yeah. <laughs> As we talk, uh, Sean is starting to bleach his hair. I'm a blonde right now. Yeah, I'm a. It's a midlife crisis. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Wait, uh, midlife. I'm. We're the same age. Don't say that. <laughs> 
NFL players have uh, shorter lifespans, <laughs> Adam. That's not even funny. I'm not going to laugh. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on. Um, next question from TW of The Herd. He asks, are there any anecdotes from the Oklahoma beatdown that you can talk about? At a certain point, did you feel bad for Jason White? No, we didn't feel bad. Because, I mean, in a bowl game, like, you're around each other the whole week and you kind of, like, build this hate for the other team. And then it being the last game of the year and the national championship, like, we were, I mean, ready. you know, you're ready to kill each other by the end of the week. And then you get out there and we get up, they muff that punt, and then uh, the onslaught's on. And I just remember them, you know, they had really good uh, uh, tackle, Jamal Brown, who I was kind of going up against the whole week. And I just remember him saying, all right, man, let's not, you know, I know we're going to the NFL here. Let's not get hurt out here. Let's take it easy. Let's finish this thing off. Right. And, you know, they, you know, they could, they kind of signed it up and uh, the last, you know, quarter or so was just kind of, yeah. a, you know, let's just a song and dance until this thing is over. So I, I, I kind of remember that kind of stuff. And, but yeah, we were, we didn't want to let up, you know, especially with coach O out there. He's not, there's no let up in coach. O. he wanted to win by a hundred. All right. I, I think I've asked you before, but, I think people would like to hear it again. Did you have any sense of the friction at that point between Carol and Chow, which, I mean, I know they had their dust up during those bowl practices, but you told me before, I believe, that like you weren't even paying attention because you're on defense and you didn't realize it was happening. Yeah. But, but, but did you even know that, like, it was getting kind of tense between them in general. I had no clue what was happening, to be honest. So when Chow, it was only a few weeks later when Chow did leave, you were kind of taken aback by it. Yeah, yeah, I remember talking to guys like, "What happened there?" Because I was, I was always really close to Coach Chow because I was yeah, you always, you know, fooling around with the offensive coordinator. You know, you guys can't run any plays. You know, you're talking smack out there. And was that an impression? Uh, was that what? Oh, no, oh of, co- no. <laughs> of Coach Chow? No, yeah. I don't think I've heard guys do good, good impression. Yeah. I'm not a good impressionist, but he's okay. he's he, he's definitely a character. Um, but it was it was weird seeing them on the field for pro day together because Coach Chow had that quarterback right. out there, and you know Pete was there, and I was like, wow, I don't know how many times they've been together since, but you know, to have co- two coaches, you know, who were you know good coaches while I was coaching there at USC, you know, I I hold them in both very in, in high regard. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed both of them. I don't know. You know, I think, you know, when you, when you're really good at something that you do, you know, you, sometimes you want credit and I don't know who wanted more credit for what they were doing. So, you know, maybe it was a, an ego clash, but yeah, uh, I, I hold them in high regard. I like both those guys. Yeah. Gosh, I, if he doesn't leave, I mean, you went on, you moved on to, you, you kind of, you finished your career right there when child left, but I wonder if, if Chow does not leave. I think USC, although they were competing for national titles for the next several years, I think that they win a couple more. How was Who was the next coordinator? Uh, was it? I, I refer to them as Harry and Lloyd, but it, <laughs> Stark and Kiffin. Was it Stark together. first? Oh, they were together. Like they yeah. Of, they did it together. Yeah. Yeah, who but, knows? I mean, how was the offense? I don't remember. What it was I, unbelievable. I remember, I just I mean, remember being heartbroken at the Texas game. That was, yeah, I, I mean, was the offense covering. was unbelievable in oh. 05, historically good. And with, with, yeah. it, it remained good. You know, they played at a high level for the next several years. The defense was a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, those ensuing years. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But the I defense mean, was better? How was the defense better? <laughs> it wasn't better in 05. It was, okay. Not at all. Okay. In fact, it was a major drop-off. But... 
by oh, a the week. linebackers. Don't tell me Cushing, Brian Cushing, right. and the linebackers. I don't want to hear about that stuff. Come on, man. I didn't mean better than uh, better than when you were there. I mean better than the offense. Me and me and Cush would go back and forth because he was in Houston. Yeah. At the end, so we would always go back and forth on that topic. Who was the better defense at USC? And we'd pull up stats that uh, we'd find different stats and bring them to each other. But right. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, they had a, a good group of guys, and I'm sure Pete Carroll will give them credit. But we were a feisty bunch ourselves, so I yeah. like to think that you know we were. I'm in better than the offense. If I had done that thirty for thirty on ESPN, yeah, I, I would not have started. forgotten we, that you existed. Yeah, that was that's still that's a tough memory for bringing up. <laughs> right. I don't just like, got thirty for thirty. I don't, airing. I don't want to talk about that thirty for thirty, man. I don't know who was responsible for that. Uh, I'm sure Keyshawn was involved because there was a yeah. lot of offensive talk. Uh, but, uh, Lendell and, and all those guys. But uh, that's still a, a painful memory to watch that 30 for 30. Just talk about offense. Like the defense <laughs> had no part in the USC's <laughs> dominance in those runs. So it was pretty funny. Well, they didn't win a national title after you left. After all you guys left. Yeah. And I made sure to tell Brian Cushing that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, next one from Exodus 1. He asks, how do you think... Orgeron will do it. LSU as head coach. Um, I think they'll. You know, they're they'll if uh, you know, Ed's had to grow up as a coach too. You know, he was. You know, when you're when you're the kind of the disciplinarian guy on a team, and you're kind of you can be the loud screaming voice for the defensive line. It's different than being the the head coach of, of a program, and I think he's learned that. You know, through his process at Ole Miss and going back into D line coaching and, and coaching in the NFL. So you just you just you know mature as a coach. You mature as a as a leader of a team, and I think you know. He's probably feels like he's ready for this. Is you know he's from the you know Louisiana and and uh, so I'm sure it's his one been his dream job since he was a kid. So I'm sure he's going to put everything he's got into it. He's learned a ton of lessons from you know the past and and I'm pulling for them. You know I I, I talk to him on occasion when he calls me up or sends me a text and and uh, I'm I'm always pulling for him. You know he really uh, put my career and my decisions in in the right place uh, at the right time when I needed you know him to be that figure in my life. And uh, so I'm I'm always pulling for Coach O. All right. I don't know if this is a real question, but I'm going to read it. It comes from our publisher, Chris Swanson. He asks, what's the most embarrassing or craziest story that you can share about Orgeron, Kiffin, or Stark without getting in trouble? Thanks in advance. <laughs> okay. I, um, I hope Coach O doesn't hear this story, but it was... It was he won't. He, <laughs> someone's going to send it to him now. Uh, we, we, in the locker room, there's kind of like anyone who's not in the locker room is like not allowed to be in the locker room. I'm sure it's a, it's a locker room experience. It's, it's, it's I mean, it's misogynistic. It's freaking, yeah. you know, it's all this stuff wrapped in the one. It's just a lake. It's just little kids, basically little kids in a right. being naked in a, in a room changing. Yeah. And so it's, it's that figure. So we would, you know, anybody who would come in, we'd, you know, make fun of them. And, uh, you know, we'd, you know, oh, look at so-and-so he's inherited, you know, look at us, we're naked. So we ended up, you know, we came up for a term for this, and I don't know if this is, it's, we used to call them Peter Gazers. We say, oh, someone's in here. Oh, it's a Peter Gazer. Man. Look at this guy mm-hmm. coming in. He's a Peter mm-hmm. Gazer. So then, uh, so, you know, one time Coach O came in to get somebody. Oh, you need to get somebody out of there. And then someone started screaming, Peter Gazer, Peter Gazer. At Ogeron. At Ogeron. Yeah. And he went through the whole locker room trying to find this guy, like screaming. I think he ran through the showers, like trying to find somebody who said this. And because he was, I'd never seen him get so mad about that. And that was, so that way he freaked out about that. And that was something I, me, me, if me and the guys get together, we're like, remember when someone said Peter Gazer to Coach O, man, man, he lost his mind. I imagine that that player didn't like think that Orgeron would, would 
react that way. Yeah, he, right? he, yeah, was he didn't. He was funny. Just, yeah, he. But no, this was like after a practice, and so everyone's happy, go lucky, yeah, phone run, oh, Coach O. Do you know who said it? I know who said it, and I will not reveal the source because I don't know. Coach O might still go after him. Man. He might. <laughs> he, he might come back to get him. Ah, uh, all right. Okay. And he's still worried that he will to the guy. So. <laughs> The next one comes from McCandles. Hi, Sean. Any stories you can tell about how it was like filming that reality TV show you did on Spike? <laughs> uh, Super Agent. Super Agent was yeah. a critically acclaimed um, <laughs> Spike TV program. This is right after you finished at USC in the yeah, fall. Yeah, right after it I finished. spring when you're preparing for the draft. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Preparing with quotation marks. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was shooting a TV show. Um it was uh, it was an experience. I don't know how to really label it in my life. You know, it was uh, they came to me and made me a lucrative offer to do a, a TV show at a at a kind of a weird time in your life when you're yeah. getting ready and you know they kind of wanted this to open up the thing and and uh, so it was interesting because you're training, you're you're flying to you know for the Senior Bowl and you're doing the combine stuff and you know someone's in your face, they want to interview you and talk about it and you got to spill your beans and about everything you're doing. And so it was interesting to get that perspective. So now when I watch reality TV show, I'm like, that's all fake. That's staged, you know, because some of the stuff they did was staged, but yeah. uh, my family got uh, some experience and my, you know, my dad was on there and I never thought he'd be on TV. And so yeah. it was, so it's kind of funny, you know, watching that stuff. I, I actually never seen the, the, sh the show. Mm. I never watched it. Cause when, when it aired on spike, we were in camp mm. and I was kind of glad. Cause I was like, Oh my God, all these, new play all these right my, my current you're, teammates you're are gonna be watching this it. new yeah show about me i'm super embarrassed this is terrible so it was so i'm glad no one saw it because we're in training camp but i've never actually gone back and seen it i don't know if you can i don't have video of it or anything so i don't i don't have dvds or it was on vhs i think at one point so it's it's again back there sometime. wow <laughs> wait, wait what is that again <laughs> just that little tapes yeah as you record from your ipod <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, next one from Trojan Warrior eighty two. Hi Sean, do you see any similarities in Carol and Helton? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, I the way um, Coach Helton is, you know, very positive. You, you know, he's kind of oozed positiveness, and and that's how you know Coach Carol was with us. And he kind of lets his uh, his staff do the dirty work and, and, and getting on guys. But for overall, like, you know, his positivity is, is remarkable. He's, and you can't not like the guy. He's, he's, a not just a, you know, a good ball coach, but he's, you know, he's really just someone you can like, you can sit there and talk to him and he's personable and, and it doesn't matter who he meets. He's always, uh, and that's how coach Carroll was with everybody with family, you know, with your family, you can bring him by and, and he talked to anybody, talk, sit down and talk to your grandma for a while. And so he just, that personality that being that, you know, cause it's, it's in college, it's like, he's your father figure, you know, that's, you know, coach Carroll's like a father figure to me. I was 18 years old, 19, whatever. And uh, so that's your father figure. It's the NFL. It's different. It's the business. It's the coaches just running the, you know, it's like a more of a, just a GM kind of figure. And so at that, at this age, you know, you, it's, it's important that your parents trust this guy, that you trust this guy. And then you can see him as that father figure and that positivity, I think uh, really enforces, you know, what he does. And, and, uh, and I, you know, just really easy to like, and that's how him and coach Carroll I thought were a lot like. Now, when Carol, took over at USC and you had just gotten there yourself he was a new college coach not a new coach but a new college coach did you see much evolution in him over the course of your career there he you know I think he had already built this 
in his head while he was, you know, waiting for his next job. You know, I think he was, you know, I think he didn't, he had a sour taste in his mouth from the NFL experience. And I think while he was waiting to get his next job, he kind of built this whole thing. And I think I've, you know, I don't know if I read it or heard it before, but he kind of, you know, was preparing for this new thing that he was going to do about competition, about, you know, what it means to be, uh, competing at all, you know, every time, everything, every time you do something. And, and, and that kind of message, you know, really, you know, still resonates in my life about competing. And if you're going to do something, you know, might as well do it the best you can. And, and so that message he's, you know, has had, obviously it's evolved into where he's at now about, you know, win forever and, and all the stuff he does. But I think he had already kind of figured out exactly what he wanted to do. And for my four years, I don't remember, uh, too much change. It was basically little things that he tweaked every year, but it was basically the same message and, and, you know, that stability, that message, you know, when you can, you know, you get it installed in a group of seniors is, you know, like, um, you know, going back to my life on McKenzie and those guys you, you who installed yeah, the Palmer. You, and yeah, Palmer. yeah. 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 Charlie Landrigan and those guys, yeah. you know, they, they kind of, you know, bought in and then we just kind of followed suit. And then, you know, when you have that stability of a, of a coach, you just share the same message and guys just fall in and fall in. And then, and before long, your whole team's, you know, bought in and then you're rolling. So it's, uh, he did something special. And I, I didn't see too much change. It was pretty uh, stable message. I think he had figured out before what, what he wanted to do. Okay. And if I didn't mention it earlier, that was from Trojan Warrior 82. Two more here. From- there's, a Trojan, there's 81 Trojan Warriors. That's pretty good. Yeah, right. <laughs> Second. Okay. All right. Uh, Alan B. 31, because there are 30, 30 others. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, uh, there are a few questions. It's really one put together. He's asking. sum it up. Yeah. Well, he's asking how much did the first team go against the first team when you were there and how hard did the coaches want you to go against each other? And he continues on to ask um, how important is it to practice that way? if SC wants to be a championship winning program again, um, or is a new football of less contact in practice good enough to be a national champion? And I mean, you're at practice a lot now, so mm-hmm. I think you have a good perspective of maybe how the game has changed. I don't think it's just USC that's changed, yeah. but I feel like it's kind of like a nationwide reform. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, kind of top down with the NFL and the way, you know, the injuries are so, so important now you can't lose guys. And, and it's, uh, I think coaches are realizing that, you know, we can push these guys to a certain limit. I mean, even before me, like, you know, these seventies, eighties guys were, you know, pushing hard, man. These guys were, you know, guys are, seem like coaches cared less about injuries and just more about their, you know, product and stuff. And I think coaches are getting smart to be like, Hey, wait a second, we can, you know, save some of these injuries if we put less stress in these guys. So they're figuring it out, but we went, we went extremely hard in practice. Like that, like I said before practice, I've talked to Dan Weber about this is like, we sit there and like, man, we used used to be a show at practice. And you remember that it was just, uh, scouts would come to the practicing, but no one else is practicing like this. No one else is doing this. They're just, you guys are, this is a game atmosphere every practice. Like, and, and and that comes at a cost, I think, uh, uh, to a certain extent, because you will have injuries, you know, practicing like that. It's just part of it. And, and that's why I think you see less of that now because, coach, like I said, coaches are uh, really starting to, you know, know that, you know, injuries are happening because of this. But we went we went ones on ones. If it wasn't like a scout team scenario, like if it wasn't like we were getting ready for Washington or right. Stanford or and then we'd have our scout our service team. Uh, do that p- portion of the practice but if it wasn't that it was ones on ones twos on twos it was 
uh, full tilt practice. You know, guys were going hard and, and uh, if it was pass rush or seven on seven, what it was, it was uh, ones on ones and it was time to show your stuff. Cause you know, we'd go inside and I'm sure this story has been told many times, but it was like competition Tuesdays and you, you know, you, you, you knew you had to perform because the next day you were going to watch what you did in front of your whole team. So it was like there was a level of, you know, comp- there was a level of competition. There was a level of embarrassment. You didn't want to be the guy getting beat every practice. You didn't want to be the guy who was like, oh, look at so-and-so's whooping him around the field. And, oh, you know, it was like a bunch of smack talk was going on. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was that. He created that environment. And so, you know, after a while, you didn't you wanted to be the guy winning. And you guys wanted to be the guy he was talking about up there on the screen. So. Uh, and so that was that's the way we that's the way we way we went so hard I think out there. So when you watch them now, what do you think? They they there's there's parts parts of the practice where they're they're going you know yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, every coach is going to have their way of running things, and I think Clay's found out you know what works for his team and what works for his guys, and obviously you know that took some time early to figure out you know what he's got, but now I mean I don't think you can argue with what he's created there and and. Um, how the, how the players have bought into what he's doing. And, and, uh, so it's, it's, it's tough for, uh, tough for like, I know I sit there with older players sometimes they're like, well, there's a lot of, you know, you know walking through stuff and, and getting stuff right. But that's just, I think just part of the evolution of what football is now, you with, even with, you know, you look at concussions and, and all that stuff now with, you know, player injuries and player safety, it's, it's just where the game's at and you have to, you know, take care of your players more than, than you used to. Did you suffer any concussions? Yeah. I'm sure I did. I don't, I don't recall. I, mean, I guess you don't recall. <laughs> okay, there we go. Uh, but uh, I'm, I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. to me it was, you know, I don't, I'm not sure having, you know, knocking off the cobwebs a couple of times, but yeah. I don't remember, you know, uh, specific events like uh, where I was just passed out Ouch, on the field, right. you know, so it's, right. I'm sure, you know, it, it's different for, I know, defense alignment sometimes and offensive alignment because we're at such small quarters. We're working mm-hmm. in like phone booths, you know, it's tight. So you don't get those big hits like linebackers and safeties and running backs and, you know, guys who are in open space making big hits. So it's, it's a little bit different from that angle, but I, I know some guys who are uh, experiencing some, you know, problems and that's, you know, it's scary. Yeah. So hopefully uh, every time I'm feeling good still. And yeah, you know. but I guess so do you imagine maybe you might have at USC and not known it? I might have had. Yeah. I might've had a couple at USC and not known it. Um, or in the NFL, I'm I'm sh- I remember a few you know times when I was you know a little hazy on what happened and yeah. and, and uh, at that time you just kept playing. Yeah, what you, you just, do? I mean, yeah. So if it if it happened in a game or practice, would you come off and come back on? Like, how yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, it was. It used to. You just and, <laughs> and at USC, it was just it was kind of get back in there or take a playoff and you know shake it off in the NFL. I thought, you know, as it as it got later in my career it started becoming more of a right. thing where you had, you know, the concussion testing and all that stuff. But early on in my career, I remember in Detroit, you know, getting a concussion and just coming off the field and be like, all right, I was just doing all right. Here's some smelling salt. Let's go. <laughs> so it, was, it used to be that. And then I remember, and then thinking about my last year where it was much, it was a much more, you know, you'd have to go in and take your base concussion right. test. And then they were, what a test are you taking now? And so it was a much bigger deal by the time I left the NFL. All right. Uh, final one from our readers. This one comes from Trojan Gift Horse. He asks, please give me your two proudest moments as a Trojan, one while you were at school and one after you left. Two proudest moments as a Trojan? Yeah, one, is it, one is a Trojan and one after? Yeah, I guess Trojan? about you know, like pride in being a Trojan, something that happened when you were gone and something that happened while you were there. Um, 
I think uh, you know my looking back the like what makes me most proud uh is starting starting you know restarting kind of the Trojan football program that had kind of been slumping for a while up and down and, and yeah. we were you know just just I always I look back with that like and I see the guys who I play with and then you know you look at each other and you're like hey we you know got this thing going again and and uh and you feel there's a lot of pride involved with that because you know you can still talk to each other you know you I mean you always I think you always compare yourself to other eras and and other things and we you know have that you know we talk to guys well we started this and so uh you went wire to wire in 04 yeah yeah so you have that you have that level of pride when you're when you're back there like we you know we did this and then in our time and and uh i think as the years go on you appreciate that more at the time it was like we were just playing football but now you know looking back on it when i see those guys now it's just a it's a level of pride we have that you know we you know we did something special and at the time when you're doing it you're just trying to play as hard as you can you're trying to possibly make it to the nfl and, and do things but now i look back how special it was and and uh, really how, you know, it meant so much to so many people, it, it, you know, it's uh, really special. And then after football uh, or after Trojans, uh, having kids probably. <laughs> well, no, I mean. <laughs> like I, football moments? Yeah, no, I think they're asking, um, like, for instance, like maybe like the Rose Bowl, like watching them win the Rose Bowl this past January. Yeah, I mean. Something like that. Was there something that in the time that you've been away from being on the team that you had a lot of pride, you took you took a lot of pride in. Um, definitely this year's team, I would say, um, and what Coach Helton's been able to do, and the level of scrutiny he was, you know, under early in the year. I mean, doing the you know pre and the post game, I got to see a lot of you know the a lot of fans do a one eighty on on Coach Helton and and really uh, respect what he's doing, and and so it's I, I yeah I I really am proud of what they've done as a team. Now I can I because. Being so close to the team now, when I was in the NFL, you know, you don't really get to yeah see what's going on. You're just kind of watching from afar. But now to be kind of in part of the program where I can, you know, watch practices and see how they're doing day to day. One of my good friends is Kenetsu Desi, and you know, we can talk and and he can tell me what's going on. So I have a lot more connection to the team, and it's it's just the way they stuck it out last year and turned what no one thought was going to happen into a Rose Bowl championship year with. A uh, great quarterback and a defense that really shined. I mean, it was uh, pretty uh, pretty special what they did last year, and it made me you know super proud to you know uh, have a USC tattoo on my arm. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just your initials. Yes, uh, okay. it's a double entendre. When did you get that? I got it when I was in high school, right after I signed. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So one of the smartest decisions I ever made after. <laughs> Best trademarking idea I ever yeah. made after making, leaving uh, high school. Remind me, were you at the Rose Bowl? Were you there? Yes. You yes, were there. Yeah, okay, yes. I thought you were there. So I was on the field at the end, um, you know, in that final couple minutes, and I I happened to be standing there, a couple of you know, your guys. It was like Mark Sanchez and I think McGinnis and Marcus Allen. I say your guys because... You guys are just in a fraternity you know, yeah. that I think special, and I I just watched them. I couldn't keep my eye off them as like you know Darnold threw the touchdown and the field goal and Leon McQuay's interception. I was wondering for you when you're watching all that unfold, how are you feeling inside? Like because they were going nuts. It, it looked like like they were on the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you feel that way? I yeah. It's uh, it's hard because you know I was in the 
in the press box. Right. Yeah. You're working now. Yeah. So it was a little, it's a little, I think it's a little different because I have to like, it sucks I have to, when things like we, that are actually, happening. Me and Chris Fisher, my co-host, we, we, we left. We had, we just, we said, man, this is terrible in here. It's, the environment is like, <laughs> hush, hush. It was kind of funny because the Penn State and the USC kind of media was kind of get into it kind of oh, a little yeah? bit. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of an interesting dynamic there and they were going back because, I mean, Penn State was up and they were feeling right. good and then, yeah. then we started coming back and then so we started getting the, you could hear guys getting chippy so <laughs> we, we decided like hey we can't really be fans in here we can't yell and scream so me and Chris Fisher went to our little booth that we had for the post game and in there that's where we kind of let loose like oh we were cheering and going crazy but at the same time you know I'm taking notes like yeah. what's happening what's gonna what's you know how do I break this down you know what do I what am I gonna say about this so it's it's I think I couldn't be like complete like bonkers USC alumni guy yeah. but uh, at the same time I inside I was and and freaking out because it was uh, awesome feeling and a special feeling that you know that, that the guys fought like that and, and, and made it back so it was, it was cool to watch did you think it was over when it was um, 49-35 or 42-27 in the third quarter going into the fourth? Um, I I probably I, I was scared at some point. I don't know. I didn't – I felt like we were we were able to move the ball. That was the only yeah, thing I was holding you, on to. I didn't feel like we couldn't, couldn't stop anything. Stop. I was like, oh, what if we, we – you know, I was freaking out on defense. You know, as a defensive player, I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, you know, I, I felt like we could move the ball. We just needed a couple breaks, so we got a couple stops there or something. So – um, I don't, I, I'm sure at some point I was a uh, pretty, I know my dad, he, he's going to kill me. I told us, but they, he left. He, I, you know, I got him tickets and, yeah. I, and my kids are with him and, and, uh, he actually was like, I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. <laughs> I guess he was sitting next to the Penn state people and they're freaking out. So he had to, he had to leave and he actually missed, you know, the comeback. So I, I, I razz him for that one. But, uh, yeah, yeah so he, he actually shut it down. I, I'm sure at some point I was like, uh, this isn't the, and working with Chris Fisher, who's, negative nancy out there and he was i'm sure he shut it down after they scored a yeah. touchdown the first touchdown all right the last time that we did this it was um it was may of 2015 so stark was kind of building you know it was going into year two and he, coming off of a, a, a the last debut. time we we talked you and i yeah well the, the, that, i'd like to that would probably be a good interview to listen to now well, yeah I mean, what did i say how Awesome it was going to be, and <laughs> <laughs> well, their the expectations were high. Mm-hmm. They were Every ranking they the top right. <laughs> ten, right? Um, but I I really actually more to set up the fact that you know a lot changed in a short matter of time right after that. When Helkin got the job, obviously he'd been the interim coach for a few months before he became the permanent coach. But when he got the job, actually it was a month and a half. It, he became the interim coach in the middle of October. And then got the job in November. What did you think? What was your first reaction to him becoming the permanent head coach? I, you know, it's going to sound uh, easy to say now, but I, I, I was kind of on board the year before. You know, I was kind of pulling for him to get the job as as a player. Wait, you mean when they hired Stark? No, when they hired. Oh. Are you? We were talking about Helton when Helton got hired. Yeah, he became he became a permanent head coach. At the end of that 2015 yeah. season, yes, um, but he did. He was the interim coach for a game when Orgeron left. Yes, but he I don't, he wasn't under consideration at that time. Yeah, I I just remember because the year before when we were doing the post game, yeah, I was always arguing for stability and. So maybe you're talking about when Stark 
was let go. Yeah. You were already pushing for Helton. Yeah. When he became the interim coach. Yes. It, there was, a, you know, a, it was a half a season. Yeah. That's what so I'm maybe that's kind of referring okay. to. Yeah. Okay. So I was, so you and what part are you referring to? What part am I supposed to be talking about? No, like, like well, because he got the job in November. He mm-hmm. became interim coach in October. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't that long, but it was a matter of, I think like eight or nine games. Yeah. When he was the interim. The interim guy. coach. Right. Yeah. So you were already on board and right away. I mean, I, I was not, not right I mean, away, but not right away, but I, I, I'd like what the, what the kids were saying about him, what the players had to say mm. um, about him. Uh, how, that, how they felt about him, and of course, you know, players are for the most part going to want that stability and the guy yeah. coming back. So you have to taper that. But um, I just liked his message. I liked, um, and it, and it, you know, and from the players' perspective, it's just it's uh, when you have a guy who's obviously he's got coaching experience and he's you know and he's you know been there in the, in some wars with you. You just you want that guy on board with you, and it felt like the players wanted him. And I didn't know how much better another coach and how much longer it would take if you brought a new coach in to kind of start that up again. I know coach Carroll was able to do it in, you know, a year and a half, you know, where we started to figure it out. And, and, uh, but you know, that's usually, it's, that's something that takes a while to get, to get going if, and sometimes it doesn't get going at all. And then you got to try another coach and three more years pass by. And so, uh, I, I just wasn't, I didn't, in my mind, it wasn't worth the risk to try to go out there and get somebody, um, who didn't already know what the players, the recruits, uh, what the super players could, you know, bring to the team, what kind of guys you had and what kind of spots. And that process takes a while. So, and I just thought it would much be easier if coach Helton just took the reins and see what he's got. You know, I thought he earned his stripes and, and, uh, I think after the start of last year and, and what he was able to do and, and the whole process and keeping the players together and not letting anything, you know, kind of break that, bond because that's you know it's a special bond you have and then that room and sometimes outside sources can get in and kind of crack that apart and i'm i'm sure you saw that a little bit at the beginning you know you know the players leaving or what's happening and you know and that starts to you know pull guys apart he was able to you know calm the storm and and uh get the thing turned around and win a rose bowl and who would have thought you know that was going to happen after the alabama defeat and early losses and so that just you know it speaks volumes i think to what he's been able to do at, at usc well the thing that we know about Helkin is that he's a high-character guy. I wondered when he got the job, is he too nice? Mm-hmm. Would that be a problem? Mm-hmm. Did you ever think about that? If, could that? Would that be an issue potentially, not necessarily with him now, but in general where it, can a coach be too nice? Could that be a problem? Well, no. I, like I said before, I, I think your head coach can be – uh, nice, uh, mean, anything. It's it's really how he gets the message to the players, um, and how he gets his message to his staff. I think getting that what your what your staff is. So if if Coach Helton's nice, I mean the staff's got to be a little more disciplined, a little more on it, a little bit disciplined. He's you know he can he can give that personality of being a friendly guy, and also you know coaches. I mean they they can appear to us from outside like these nice, happy, jolly guys. Yeah, and they get in that room, and I'm sure he's ripped you know some guys before and 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 gotten to guys and and broke down guys because that's what coaches do and he was you know he's he started from the bottom of coaching and, and yeah. worked his way up so he's been at all those levels and i'm sure he's had to be uh I, as him as an offense coordinator he was seemed like a stern guy and what he wanted to do and and i'm sure he's changed his message and and uh and figured out what kind of head coach he wanted to be so it's just it's just a matter of that and you got to have you got to have the disciplinary on 
at that level of football because yeah. it's you know it's you're yeah. talking about 18 to 21 year olds who are you know can be undisciplined i know i was an 18 year old i was you know i could have went off the rails if i didn't have someone to say hey this is how we do it this is what we're going to do uh, so you need that figure but then you also need someone who's going to say hey you made a mistake don't worry about it let's move on to the next play a uh, positive reinforcement mm-hmm. and so he, i think he does that he's responsible for that and he kind of lets his staff kind of grind the guys a little bit and that's what works for him and, and this team so far so it's it's a, it's it's good to be that he's positive and i don't I just think that you need that other side. You need someone, if you're not going to do it as the head coach, you, someone needs to be doing it. Okay. Um, I mean, you know him differently than I do, I think, although you you are in media, but I know that you, there's more of a relationship there. He just followed me on uh, Twitter or something, I think. <laughs> I, I can't Instagram, get him to follow me on Twitter. On Instagram. Oh, well, I, I don't even have that. Maybe I think I it's Instagram or Twitter. I don't remember which okay. one he followed me on. Maybe I was I'll, like, I'll, oh, I'll sign up and I'll, I'll let him know. I was like, oh, this right. is cool, man. Now I got to watch what I'm saying. Now I got to like really taper back. But, yeah, you oh feel that from him, right? <laughs> he has that, that impact good, on you. Yeah, he's like, That nice. you want to do well by him. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, it, it, is it fair to say he is... Does new, he run his own social media, you think? Or does someone running his own social, his social media? I think it's him and someone. A team, a team of yeah. people, yeah. But I think I kind of... I need to hire a team of people for my social media. Yeah. Man, I spend too much time on it. I need to get out there. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Thinking about my next post. Anyways, go ahead. Adam. I got off rail there. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. But um, but is it fair to say he is unusually nice for, for someone in his position? He, he is. He is. Right. I I I, we, I was at a thing. We went to spring ball with my. I went to my spring ball with Anthony Day, who I played with at yeah. USC, and his little boy was there. And you know, Clay, we had a bunch of former players and Clay comes up and he gives us, you know, what it means to, for you guys to come around the players and come around the guys, a real nice speech. And uh, Anthony Day's kids there and he's Anthony Day says, Hey coach, thanks for having us. And he's, you know, sits down and talks to Anthony Day. He never, Anthony Day never played for him or just couldn't yeah. know him. He's just a former player. And he takes off his hat and gives it to his kid, signs it. And I'm like, what the hell? This guy is, this is a nice human. You can't not like Clay Helton. He's yeah. like a really nice human being. And, and, and obviously a great quarterback, offensive coordinating coach who, who knows football and comes from a football family. So I don't, I didn't see the, the, the bad side to, for him to be a part of the Trojan family. I didn't, I was like, well, this guy comes from a lineage of coaching and, yeah. and his dad's a nice guy like that. And his, you know, oh, you his, met his father. Yeah. And his okay. brother. And it's, it's like, it yeah. just permeates them. And you could tell that they're really good human beings that want to coach football and help young guys understand life and football. And that's what did you get out of him? I believe that he would coach. Is that too their... positive? Maybe I was too positive. No, Maybe I need to be more critical no, of him. That's who he is. <laughs> and I, I try to reiterate it because I wonder if people believe it, you know, they think that like eventually something will come to the surface, but I think he's for real. Well, you're always skeptical as a USC fan that something's going to come no, out. No, yeah, I know. I wasn't even alluding to that. You're right. Um, no, more just, I think, the, the nature of the business. And you never know who people really are sometimes. Yeah. We might have an impression, you know, in the media or in the public. But I think with Helkin, what you see is what you get. Yeah. I mean, anybody I talk to is the same way. Kenechi is the same way. The guy's great. He's, you know, he's an awesome coach yeah. to play for or coach for. and. So he's just, I've heard nothing, Kerry Colbert, all these guys just, uh, they really, they really like him. I'm of the impression that he would never leave there. I think that he'll coach USC forever. And I mean, unless he was forced out because they weren't doing well mm-hmm. or he just retired. But 
I don't think he would go to the NFL. I don't think he would leave for another program. I think he would just coach USC football for two decades if you let him. Yeah, I, I mean, it's easy. Yeah, it's 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 hard to see him going to the next level because just he's. I mean, I mean, obviously he's got the the mind to do it and stuff, but just his passion for it and just the business side of the NFL is just a different animal yeah. and different thing. And it just seems like he's so well suited. Uh, to what he's doing right now with recruiting and being around families and, you know, really selling that message. And then, you know, it's, uh, he, he's, yeah, he's really remarkable at, at doing that and really giving off that aura. Cause like I said, the NFL is like, a, it's, uh, it can be an ugly place up there. You know, it's, uh, obviously the money's better and, and what you can do up there. And, and maybe he, maybe he has aspirations to do that. I don't know. I haven't talked to him about that, but he just seems very, uh, well suited where he's at and, uh, and, and the way that the thing, it looks like it's going, you know, it looks like it's, it's going in the right direction and he's got guys buying in. You never know though. I mean, you get a crazy yeah. job where someone gives you the, you, you know, win a national championship or, you know, get some great seasons back to back to back. And someone gives you some crazy job in the NFL and you're like, Hey, take a shot. But like you said, you can see like him being there, being part of one of the, you know, co- coaching lore at USC and then tying his name onto, you know, some of the great coaches there. All right, switching gears a little bit here, we're going to talk about the 2017 Trojans. I want to ask you about Sam Darnold first, because you were teammates with two of the greatest, or probably the two greatest USC quarterbacks in history. Is Darnold better than Palmer and hmm. Leonard? And we're talking about college football right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, Palmer yeah. has a decorated NFL career. I think I see more similarities between him and Palmer, I think, as far as like arm strength and athleticism. athleticism. Um, you know, Liner was more of a, I mean, he was money with his touch and, and uh, leadership qualities. Um, I haven't, I don't, when I practice, it's hard to get a feel for Sam's leadership qualities, you know, it's, and there's only his, you know, yeah. first year doing it too. So it's, I mean, that'll come with time. Um but yeah, uh, it's it's just hard. It's hard. I mean, it was such an amazing season he had. Like it's, it's in my mind. I'm like, you you worry about sophomore slumps. You worry about yeah. all the hype that's already cre- created by this team and what's going to happen. You know, Coach Helton's got a heck of a job keeping those guys. You know, now the target's going to be on them and stem them chasing guys. So it's it, it. I remember when that changed for our team from you know chasing teams and wanting to be the national championships to. 2004 went all right they're coming for us now like this is every week is someone's trying to knock us down so that's going to change for them it's going to be that you know the team's coming after them and and uh, so to see how that handle that dynamic but you know sam is as the year he had last year and what he was able to do and even after his first few games you know just seeing the throws he was making i would sit there with chris fisher and would be like dude that just, that's another throw he can do that you know that's another throw oh there's another yeah. one he can he can make off his back foot or run around and make create a play like but, uh but just I mean- seems not to interrupt, sorry to interrupt you, but some of those throws that you're referring to, which were happening at least once a game, it yeah, seemed like yeah. for a couple months there. I don't, I don't I mean, I don't remember seeing that before. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've I don't remember recalling like specific throws as much as I did. Like I remember, that, right. I still remember when he threw it to Yamator Bebe, um, Washington. Yeah, and I'm still remember thinking about that throw. Like I don't remember recalling like a specific like Leonard or Carson right. passed like that. Like I am now, maybe cause I wasn't working the games or I wasn't, yeah, it's different. you know, working games, but, um, it's, uh, he's, he's pretty special and it's not, <laughs> and it's not just that it's just like, he just makes the right decision 
it seems like every time. And yeah, yeah, he had an interception in a game or a bad toss. Yeah. But other than that one or two plays, it's it was like just spot on when to pull it, when to run, when to make an incredible play. When Can I hold it longer? Can I not? And it just seems like they just keep happening over and over again. You're like, wait a second, maybe this is... This is really this is guys like this guy like and yeah. so he just you're pulling for him to have a great year this year. Were you in the press box at the end of the Rose Bowl when he uh, connected with Burnett for that touchdown? Yeah. So I was down in the field. I'm wondering your vantage point. Were you wondering what was happening like in that moment with that, with that play and that throw? It looked like a like a dangerous pass. No, it but... wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't open when he threw it. But I think he's one of those. I mean, you you listen to like NFL quarterbacks talk, or when you know they're all over the ESPN or whatever. And they always talk about throwing guys open or making or seeing something before it happened. And he just has that unique ability to see something yeah. before it happens because nobody's gonna make that throw in that situation in that critical time. Unless you know you got a, <laughs> uh, a big set of <laughs> and, and 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 you have that you know foresight, the vision to see this. I know my guy, I know their defense. This is open, even though it's not. Here it comes, and that's a, a in that situation to make that throw is uh, remarkable. Pretty. All right, moving down the line, literally to the defensive line. Rasheem Green is someone who I thought was one of the most improved players on the team last year. Mm-hmm. He's someone that people think maybe, you know, I mean, they, I think they expect that he should be an all-conference level player. And maybe beyond that, from what you've watched from him, what is the next step? What does he have to do? Uh, well, it, it's, you know, he's one of those players, I think that's going to have to start taking over games. I think if, you know, you want to be that next level guy and he's going to be the next Sean Cody. Oh yeah. Leonard Williams, you know, the guys even, you know, uh, the, the, just, just one of those guys as a defensive lineman, you have to be able to, you know, take over a, like a game or take over a quarter or take over a half where you're just like, we're, this is, you know, you're not going to run any plays, you know, and that's what <laughs> Leonard was able to do when he was special. And, and some of the other guys, you know, I played with and the Cedric Ellis's and those guys, you know, they took over, you know, parts of games and they just, yeah. they said, this is what, this is how the game's going. So I think Rasheem, he had some great games last year where he may had some sacks and, and, but I think to get to that next level, he's going to have to, you know, the other team's going to have to, Say hey, wait a second! This guy's stopping us. We got if we don't stop this guy with a couple guys, that we can't play football. And that's what the next level of you know being an All American or being you know in that in that you know elite group of guys is uh, taking over parts of games. And I'm, I'm sure he wants to do that. And and then Kenichi said he's putting in all the work that he needs to to get to that next level. And, and uh, he's because he's got the all the ability. I just think it's you know it's just believing that you're that guy. And and uh, and I think Stevie was a was a huge help for him too in in his maturity and growth because I think he watched. Uh, a, a grown man, you know, perform and try to get into the NFL, and and that I think helped Rashima a ton, and he you know, started taking it more serious probably, and and uh, he had a good year, and now it's now it's time for him to you know his is his time now, so it's uh, his time to shine. What are maybe a couple telltale signs of a great D lineman when you watch someone? What what would tell you that okay that that guy can be great or will be great? What about him will stand out? Um, well, I, I think you, have, you if you can watch the reaction of the other team, like how they are blocking him or what they're doing to him or how they're trying to stop him, I could you can the other team is usually a good dictator of how good that player is. I think if you watch, I mean, you can watch JJ Watt now and you just see how much attention he gets, um, and still is able to make plays. That's how you, that's a telltale sign of a, a great player is like what kind of attention, like what kind of 
what is Stanford doing to get ready for Rasheen Green? Like, what are they, are they focusing on him? Are they focused on someone else? Are they focused on stopping? Like, then that's a telltale sign to me. Like, when I watch the game, like, if he's getting double teamed or they're mm. turning protection to him or they're sending another back at him or so what are they, what are the other teams that think how good he, he is and, and what kind of attention he gets. All right. And uh, that leads to my next question about Marlon Kui Poloku. Uh, you got to watch him up close a little bit in the spring. What were your first impressions of him? Uh, I was, I, I, I didn't realize how you know big he was, you know, he's, he's this big solid kid like uh, at, at that, that age and just, and where he where his body can go just with off seasons with in a strength program with with Ivan Lewis and and, and the, his team, uh, I was already pretty stunned with that. And then the the level of maturity and awareness, I think, uh, I know Coach Kanechi's kind of been blown away by how fast he picked it up, how fast um, it seems natural to him. His his technique is already kind of really good at this point, and at that young age to have your technique. Uh, already there is 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 pretty uh, special, and then uh, the way he's been able to, he's been coachable. He's and then he just seems to make plays. So it's it, like I said, it's spring. It's, it's yeah, you know, taper a little bit with some stuff, but from all accounts and what I've witnessed, is uh, he's a pretty good player. And then then he's I should be able to do some special things. He's got the right body to kind of move around mm-hmm. the line. He's and he's quick, so it's not like you don't have to put him in a certain spot, and and uh, he's be able to move around. So it's. He's got a lot of things pointing up for him, and and hopefully he's uh he's uh I I think he's taking it seriously, so that's, that'd be good. Who does he remind you of? Anyone? Mm. It, it doesn't have to be a teammate or a Trojan. It just does he look like anybody that you've you've watched play before? I think here. It's kind of got like a like a John Randall kind of kind of thing, you know, like six two. You know, he's like he's not he's not like a six six Stephen right. Lang. He's like six two yeah, stout. You're what six four? Yeah, six yeah. four. You know, so you got the guys who are six four, six five. He's a little shorter, but that was like John Randall. He's kind of got you know that that quick twitch still, you know, stuff about him. He's I, I've seen some good uh, good moves from him. So it's he kind of reminds me of him like so like a Cedric Ellisy kind of guy. Okay. Um, not really like Mike Patterson. Mike was different, um, but like that, I think like a Cedric, maybe a John Randall kind of guy, okay. who can kind of move around the line. And, and but the quick twitch is what you what you notice with him. It's not just like it's not laboring. He's he's moving around. Yeah. So this defense is uh, their alignment is just very different than anything that you played in while you were at USC. I wondered when you watch them with two down linemen. Usually, you know they they never go four. And you were usually in four. Mm. Um, does a part of you ever think like I'd like to see them, you know, kind of build on the line mm-hmm. differently, stack uh, the line? Well, you always want more defensive linemen in there. Yeah, just a, a bias. I know the fans want it. Opinion. I mean, yeah. I think the game has changed too. It's like even you know, even if you watch Pete Carroll defenses now, he's got those hybrid defenses all over. Everybody's running hybrids and nickel situations and bringing in another DB and, and, and bringing in an outside linebacker. So everyone's kind of doing that. And that's what I think uh, Clancy's doing. So it's, 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 it's just part of the game now, but as a, as a defensive lineman and as a four, three purist, um, <laughs> it's, it's always fun to, I think to watch four down guys go against five offensive linemen and yeah. see who's going to win one-on-ones. It's, it's fun to watch, but is it more, is it is it better defense? I don't know. I think they're I think they're figuring out how to play better defense. I think their defense play you know had a really good season. Yeah, and, yeah, I did. And and I think they figured out that they were better with two guys down 
then three guys down instead of being, you yeah. know, and, and at, at points. And then they figured out when they needed that, when they needed to stop the run, um, to have that third guy, we could, we could bring that third guy in. And then, but in the pack 12, it just seems like everything's so spread out, um, that, you know, you gotta be able to rush the passer. And if you need those two speed guys to come off the end and you just have those two defense alignment, it worked out for them. And they were able to stop the run in those with two down linemen too. That was important to, Early on, they weren't be able to stop the right. run with that Versus two, with UConn, two down. Yeah, Stanford, they had yeah, hard time. yeah. So then they had to figure out: could we do it? Can we stop it with two guys? And I think they found that that mix with Rasheem and, and Stevie to to get that done. So it was it was you know just a process of, of Clancy learning the guys, I think, and what got what, what situations work. In terms of pass rushing, is it harder though for uh, a defensive lineman to get to the quarterback when there's only two down linemen as opposed to? Well, they're still accounting for those outside rushers. Edge, yeah. They're still bringing, you know, Porter and, and so it's, it's. But it's not four big guys. I mean, not in. I mean, Porter's pretty big. He, yeah, I, I, don't, I, assume, yeah, I don't want to go there. I saw him today. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I haven't seen him in a while. I'm sure he's looking yeah. bigger and buffer than ever. But, uh, but four, six, four, three hundred pound guys. Yeah. Something like what you yeah. were playing with. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, you look across it, like Kanechi Udeze, and yeah. Mia Mike, and then Omar, who's a lighter guy, but still, you know, kind of a 6'5 imposing character. Um, I'm sure it's a little different. I mean, it's as a, you know, but there's still guys, they still work on pass rush. They still, you know, yeah. you know, they work with Kanechi on pass rush and stuff. So it's not, I don't think it's, I mean, like I said, as the purest heart of watching a four, three and, you know, being a part of, we only ran a four, three when no one rotated out. We just kind of played ball. It was a, uh, that's, you know, that's, it's fun, but obviously their f- defense has figured out that how to stop different situations and what offenses are doing. It's just a, it's just uh continue to grow as a, as a, as a defense. And that's what, that's what the games ever know. You go way back with Kanechi Udeze. Did you think back then that he would become a coach? Uh, no, not really. No, not really. I didn't see him <laughs> as a coach. <laughs> he, I didn't. You know, I think he he didn't. Well, he wasn't able to with his cancer get all the football out of him. Yeah. That, you know, he wanted to. I mean, there was years that he, you know, he should have been able to to play still. And so yeah. I'm sure that burns inside you as a player. And and I think he found something where he can get the football out of him still. And, and it's, and it's, and it's passion and coaching. And I, when I watched him, I remember thinking, Oh, he wants to coach. All right, we'll see what he's doing out there. And that, you know, it's, it's hard to see a guy who's your buddy and you goof around with mm-hmm. be a coach. Cause it's such a different like thing. Like they're, it's super intense and, and serious. And, and, uh, but he's definitely, he can definitely turn that on and, and uh, be that coach, be the guy who's out there, you know, getting technique, right. And stuff. He's, he's, really a remarkable coach if you watch him and what he's the passion he puts into it and what's he and I think that's why he they, they reward him with some kind of a extension and he's you know going to be around so it's and how his group got better throughout the year and and, and what they were able to do so it's it's a it's a credit to him and and, and like I said it's probably because he didn't get to let that football where I got all the football out of me I don't ever want <laughs> I don't ever want to coach it looks intense man <laughs> I think you just broke news right there. Yeah, yeah. Sean about, Cody won't be coaching uh, well, uh, anytime soon. No, no, about Kanechi, about oh, the extension. I, I think, yeah, he, I, I'm pretty sure he got an extension and, and yeah. uh, he's going to be around for a while with the Trojans. And I think, you know, Clay, um, Clay uh, rewarded him with that because they saw what, you know, what they did and, and, and what kind of coach he is. Now, yeah, so now that you do know him in that fashion, what about his personality do you think works well in that role? Um, He's really intelligent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that that's it's yeah. It's it's to me. It's his. Uh, 
it's his relatability to the players. He's still young enough to kind of yeah. relate to the guys. And that's, I think that's a unique character. Like when you walk around campus with him and he's, you know, the players all know him all, it doesn't matter offense or defense. They all know coach K and then they're going to have that back and forth, that rapport with him. They call him KU. I don't like that. Call, yeah, so it's, yeah, I don't, they forgot the B. Right. Yeah, BK. What do you call him? Kanechi probably. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. I used to call him BK. Okay. Yeah. I think I used to call him BK. But now I don't feel like a. I'm an adult now. I can't call someone yeah. big Kanechi anymore. Right, right. But so he's. A, I only do him private. Yeah, I call I call him Kanechi. But I think it's his relatability. He's still young. They they obviously respect his career, the career he's had, uh, being an All American and going to the NFL, first round draft pick. So I mean, you got to respect that uh, from a player's perspective. And so you can, uh, you. I'm sure if I was a player, there, I'd be trying to get everything I could from him. And so that's that's definitely his relatability. Is I think as a coach. He seems to be a stickler for details. Yeah. That's the impression I've got. Yeah. Is that, is that something that carried over from when you yeah, were teammates with him? Yeah, he was exactly was he anal? like that. Yeah, he was very uh, – I've never seen someone get more upset about losing pass rushing, like one-on-ones or missing a bad step. Or he was oh, in, very – in practice. In practice. He was very always detailed. Every step meant something. Every every hand placement meant something, and that's how he coaches exactly. If you watch him out there, he's he's all over guys for taking a bad step or a bad hand, a bad you know misplaced hand. So it's he's, he was just like that as a player. I remember thinking like, God, take it easy sometimes, buddy. But he was always he was always on it. And there's a reason you're a first round draft pick and and uh, an All American at USC. Any similarities between him and Orgeron? Yeah, I'm sure he's taken some stuff from him. I don't think he's. Uh, quite the disciplinary like the the intenseness of coach o but i think i'm sure there's um things he's taken from his coaching that he uses i mean there's and there's things that go across the board as a defensive lineman that kind of cross over through all coaches you know like stepping and get off and and all these things all these terms you use so i'm sure there's definitely some um things he's picked up but i'm sure he's had other great coaches in his career that i'm sure he's taken stuff from too so it's it's a, it's an, I'm sure it's an amalgamation of all the coaches you hear and, and just, and just putting that stuff together and making it your own, uh, coaching style. Nice word. Amalgamation. Yeah. Is that the, did I use it right? Was it in the yeah. right? I was, I second thought it. I was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't, but okay. Yeah. You're good. He can, all edit, right. he can edit it out. <laughs> all right. I'm going to give you one more question here. You've, uh, it's been like half your life since you came to USC. You're 34. Yeah. Right. So. What advice now could you give to, or would you give to the 17, 18 year old version of yourself? Hmm. This is like an interview question for like a job. Um, I'm not hiring. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give? To I, the kid that, you know, just signed with USC. Just signed with USC. I, to that, well, that kid did all right. I think he made the yeah. right decision. Um, I might give more advice to the kid who was going to the NFL. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> about, yeah, some of that stuff. But, but like a 22-year-old. Yeah, I would give. Okay. Because the 17-year-old Sean was in the, was, was in a, you know, was in the right environment. This, I mean, the 22-year-old Sean, he could have been a little more, uh, I mean, maybe doing a TV show before you go to the NFL is not the best idea. But uh, uh, just to... Uh, the, it, you get kind of warped, I guess, by the NFL. You know, you get you have this kind of warped reality of uh, self worth and what you are, and and um, just being humbled, I think, in Detroit and humbled as a as a human out in that experience and leaving Southern California, winning football games, into a going to a 
you know, a terrible football team and, uh, and a tough city that was on hard times. It was uh, very humbling. So, um, yeah, that was, I mean, just, just, just being able to weather that, you know, weather that humbling feeling and, and, uh, and it took me a while to, you know, come around and I, I was lucky enough to play in Houston and kind of get that bad taste in my mouth from, you know, Detroit, but just, uh, hang in there, kid. It's going to be all right. Not, <laughs> I don't know that's bad advice. I probably know just the same amount as I did when I was 17. So I don't, I'm still bleaching my hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, when you got to the NFL, did you expect to just be great? Like to just continue playing at that level? Yeah. I, I just was going to do this. I just had the same approach. I mean, you can only have the same approach I had at USC and, and it wasn't the environment that was suitable for that. It was, uh, I, you know, I, instead of me changing my environment, I let the environment kind of change me. And I I think that's Mm. probably what I would tell myself is, you know, don't let, uh, outside influences affect how you prepare and get ready for football. Just be you and let that go out to the teams. And I, I probably let, you know, being a rookie, you don't kind of take, have that to my, I mean, some guys have that mentality and, and I don't think I was mature enough at that level to really just, you know, be myself and let my thing go instead of, I, you know, worried about others' perceptions. And I think I lasted in the NFL because I was able to turn that around and be like, mm. you know what, this is how I, do things and this is what works for me and i'm not going to worry about what other people think yeah detroit can give that to you yeah it was i mean you're bleaching your hair 15 <laughs> years later <laughs> yeah i don't yeah it was a uh, quite an experience detroit right i was obviously it's a part of my story but it was a uh, definitely a like i said a humbling experience i never i don't that's why i live back in southern california i'm yeah. not, i don't have a place in detroit where i go visit for the winter i don't i'm not a big snow person so it's i'm back here did that feel like a long time ago like it was even before usc i mean i just yeah. feel like it could seem like it was a lifetime ago it does seem like a long time ago it seemed like uh well you kind of well it took a lot of therapy sessions to get rid of that <laughs> right. so it's, thanks for thanks for bringing it up yeah. and uh, i'm have to call my therapist after this and schedule a session to uh tone the demons down again but um it was yeah i mean it was just i mean i i grew a lot too so it's it's you know you can use those experiences excuses or you can use them to grow and i thought i was able to you know rebound and, and play in houston on some good teams and and play some good football so it's uh but i don't need to go back to detroit anytime soon although i've heard it's doing a lot better now i heard the city's yeah. doing a lot better so that's good for the city but i hope the lions lose forever <laughs> um usc are they going to make the final four this year uh, I, I mean, it's that's that seems like a, a million miles away. It's just so hard. I mean, just look at last year and what what happened. You never thought that uh, they'd get where they were from the start to to the finish. So it's just it's a roller coaster. And uh, I think uh, if there's a man to trust, I think it's Clay Helton and what he's been able to accomplish so far, and what he's done with the guys, uh, and what he's done with Sam Darnold. Um, I think there's a lot of obviously a lot of expectations, but good coaches and good players don't listen to any of that stuff and they just do their work and they do this, just put their head down and grind. And, and I think that's where they're at. And hopefully they're not looking at press clippings and, and doing that stuff. They just need to uh, continue to play the same ball and good leadership and a good head coach can get that right. Was 2004 the one season where you guys came into the year with that expectation to win the title? Was that the only time that you guys came yeah. in a year like that? Yeah, because I think we were felt snubbed from the year before. So yeah. we kind of were like, even though we you know kind of proclaimed ourselves national champions, we were like, wait a second here. We 
this is our time. And so we had a, obviously a chip on our shoulder still. So it wasn't like we were, uh, completely like thought we were number one. We, there was still some, we still had something to fight for and, yeah. and play for. And we wanted to prove that, you know, we were the guys. So, uh, yeah, that's how we came into the season. And, and we, like I said, it's, it's all leadership on the team and coach mm-hmm. comes from the coach stems from the coaches. And you have a group of guys that are, it doesn't matter what we're ranked, what we're doing. This is, it takes hard work and it takes grind and, and you have to get that message to the younger guys who don't know that message yet or the guys who are, you know, are still, you know, trying to figure it out. And that's what the job of, you know, the older players is to do. If there's a parallel, I think this team could be more like 2003 where... You love 2003, well, Listen, man. listen. I, yeah, well, not, <laughs> we'll see what they do. But in terms of going into the year, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. top 10 team that's coming off one great year. Yeah. You know, the first great year in a while. Yeah. And they're still chasing. That was the term that you used earlier. Mm. I found to be, you know, salient that you're, you haven't proven anything yet. Yeah. I mean, last year already happened. The Carson, it's kind of over. Carson, you win the Orange Bowl. Yeah, all right. like a lot of those main guys have left. Yep. And like, you know, Dory and Juju are Who's gone. Who's going to be the guys now? You know, there's some carryover, but there's a lot of reloading. Yeah. I think it's good to have that stability. A quarterback is always big. So, I mean, losing Carson was huge for us. Who was going to be the next guy? You know, there's a yeah. fight in spring between all those guys. And then, you know, Liner ended up being the guy. But um, Did you know that Liner was the guy? When they were battling before he actually played a game, I was a Billy Hart guy, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, uh, I didn't. I mean, I you don't, you don't, you don't know. I don't, I don't. You didn't yeah. watch the quarterback. Well, I was who, trying to win my spot you, every yeah, practice. Okay. I wasn't you, worried about the quarterback. You prefer him. I mean, you care about who's playing quarterback. Do you remember if if you liked him the best, or did you not know? I did not know. Castle was in there too. I didn't know. I couldn't tell you who was better at watching at practice. I didn't know. I was. I was just trying to beat my guy one on one. I yeah. didn't really was wasn't really focused on it. I was just. And you were obviously you wanted the best guy, and then and then Liner, you were coming off injury. Yeah, you probably didn't even do spring. I'm guessing. No, no spring. Right. So I mean, I probably got. I was working out, trying to rehab an injury. It wasn't like something I was really tuned into. I figured that uh, Coach Chow would make the right decision and that yeah, he would yeah. get the right guy. But, and then once Liner became the guy, it was like, uh, it was pretty apparent that he was the leader that the team needed and, and he could, you know, make all the right moves and right passes. So. Okay. And sorry to keep you. My wife will kill me if I don't ask this. All right. She had a question for you. Did she just text you the question? No, but <laughs> before I left this morning, she told me to ask you, how do you raise four girls? How, how are you doing it? Um, it's actually awesome because I don't because they're, I, it's 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 because I grew up with all boys, and it's it's easy because they're so more laid much more laid back than we were. Like me and my brother was like a competition for everything and this and that. But and obviously they have quarrels, but they're uh, they're really happy about just um, going to dance class or going to practice for something and it's like just an easy i feel very fortunate because i see uh other i I see little boys running around they look crazy (laughs) little boys look nuts so it's i see my little girls and they're like little angels they carry around dolls and they want to do makeup and i'm like this is this is easy man this is making it easy and i see my uh, my nephews are bouncing off the walls and i'm like wow boys are nuts man i'm glad i have girls now so it's it's obviously it's it's been it's been awesome you know you know you want a boy as a a, a man you're like oh my boy but 
it, I think you know it's it's been it's it's I love just carrying my girls around and being like their heroes. So can it's you like carry all thing. four at the same time? I can carry ten girls. <laughs> I did it in college before. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's probably why I had all girls. Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess we're we're good now. We're done. All right, Sean, Sean Cody, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Adam, you're the man. You've been the man since college. Thank you, man. I, anytime. All right. Well, we appreciate it. Be sure to check with us at trojansports.com for the best coverage of USC football. The in, you're the insider of the insiders. That's what I called Adam, the insider of insiders. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Bang.